0: Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance, I left my executive role to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launched Christmas Day for Apple iOS. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a beautiful place for us to share our gold, our dreams, and create community. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at the Live headquarters. Molly Barr believes in body liberation. You are not the food you eat, the beliefs you have, and the guilt you feel after that cookie. She focuses on helping people make peace with food and their body while creating a full and meaningful life. Molly Barr is a licensed mental health counselor in private practice in Miami and provides virtual sessions to residents of Florida and Hawaii. Molly works with disordered eating, body image, body shame, anxiety, depression, and trauma. She is a certified intuitive eating counselor, trained in EMDR, and practices from a health at every size lens. She has worked in a variety of treatment settings, including inpatient and outpatient programs for eating disorders, substance abuse disorders, and an outpatient transgender clinic. Today, Molly and I bust some myths about diet culture, discuss intuitive eating, and how to listen into your body's signals. We also dig into social influence and how a comparison culture creates negative internal talk. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to have with me on today, Molly Barr. Thank you for joining us on Gold. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you're here, and I am so excited to talk to you about some big words that are thrown around in my world lately. I'm trying to understand them better personally. I know um, a lot of our listeners are as well um, when we talk about diet culture and intuitive eating. And I feel overwhelmed sometimes. And I know that you're an expert in this field. So I'm hoping you can help us bust some myths and talk through how we really should be viewing our bodies, our size, and our mindsets as we are trying to navigate what has been a really negative diet culture as far as I'm concerned. Could you tell me a little bit about how you got started in this field?
1: Yeah, I, so I became interested in therapy and wanting to be a therapist in high school. I got, I was involved in this hazing accident where I hurt my hand and I had to have a ton of surgeries and um, I ended up developing what's PTSD and I didn't really know what it was at the time, but eventually someone else found out that I was struggling a lot and they thought I should go to therapy. So I went to therapy, I got better. And I was thinking, Oh my gosh, like, this is, this is what I want to do. I want, first of all, it's making lemonade out of lemons. And it kind of made my experience more meaningful to have gone through so much pain and suffering. And like here I am, I'm going to become a therapist and help other people get better. And so I decided to go into um like I studied psychology and I went to go get my master's of counseling. And I thought I wanted to work with other people who had PTSD or had a similar experience as I did. And at the same time, I never really thought about this, but um I was this comes into play later, is I was dieting my whole life. And I thought that this is what's so important about me is to be healthy and exercise and watch what i eat and try to like get to this whatever goal weight is which is always changing but um and so the the more i got into this field i Um, I started working with substance dependence and I started, you know, watching the biggest loser. And I got kind of hooked by all these shows that were about weight loss. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to help people lose weight. Like I'm going to take the one side of like addiction and think about it as like a food addiction. I'm going to help people lose weight. So, um, (laughs) as you can tell, this is like a long process of like getting to where I am today. Um, it took, it took a long time to get into the eating disorder field. It's um, kind of a small field compared to substance abuse. So after a few years, I started working on an inpatient unit uh, about eating disorders and I, everything I thought I knew about eating disorders was really wrong. And so I quickly learned that um, some of my own behaviors were very disordered and I had to kind of work on that. And then I went to this training where I learned about intuitive eating and health at every size. And then like literally everyone, everything I thought I knew about being healthy just got flipped upside down. And so that's how mm-hmm. I came into, um, kind of like the person that I am and the work that I do has been a long journey of like, I mean, at this point it's been like 20
0: years, but, um, I learned a lot in that process. I love that. And I, I love that healthy at every size, and I think this is something that um, people are starting to become more open to, I feel like. And, and maybe it's just because of the circles that I'm in now that seem to be a little bit more aligned with just like a healthy mindset and way of living instead of staring at a scale, like after you get through that point where it's like you're not trying to look like everybody else on Instagram and you realize like maybe your abs are, just aren't going to show up. <laughs> like They're just they're not meant to, to be seen. Um, and there's a lot more self-acceptance so I'm, I'm curious when it comes to when you talk about healthy at every size is that kind of taking into account our genetics and the way our bodies are formed and that you know in my mind it's like I finally had to get to the point to where I realized I am not genetically predisposed to look at the girls like look like the people that I see who I, I think are the pinnacles of fitness Um, and I had to kind of accept that like I, I'm made differently I'm not made to look like that but I really feel good when I drink green juice and I really feel good when I'm moving my body. So I'm going to have to be more accepting of that as opposed to a comparison model. What does it mean for you when you talk about healthy at every size?
1: I think you that was such a good example that you just gave. I can relate a lot to it. I think a lot of people have. And I think for me, it was coming to this realization that I have literally done every diet known to man. And... I never got to whatever this ideal body size is or weight or whatever that might be. I'd never looked like that person I thought I was or supposed to look like. And so um, learning about health at every size was a really important part of this healing process because I think we often have this idea of like, yeah, I want to be an intuitive eater, but what about my health? And so really teasing apart this idea that, Um, Weight is not a good indicator of health. And I can use my example of myself and all these people that I work with. Oftentimes, people who are at their lowest weight, whatever that is to them, it doesn't even have to be quote unquote underweight, but they're often at their sickest. So it really Mm kind of changed the way I thought about things. And health at every size is really a weight inclusive approach to improving our physical health, our emotional health, spiritual health, without focusing on weight loss, that we can actually focus on health promoting behaviors without worrying about what's going to happen on the scale. Cause like you're saying with genetics and there's just so much out of our control, like I'm never going to have abs. Like that's just, that's never going to happen. I tried really hard. I tried as hard as I could. It's never going to happen, but I can, focus on getting enough sleep, drinking enough water and exercising, just health promoting behaviors and weight's going to, you know, go wherever it goes.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's so important, especially, so I have, I have girls, right? So I have a eight year old and a nine year old um, that I'm raising and, Especially when I look at them and being aware of how we are told how to look and what's healthy and what's what's good, and trying to teach them healthy eating habits, which I have to tell you are very hard. <laughs> like once they taste pizza, it's like you're done for. Um, but I think it's so important that these are conversations that we're having about our bodies and more self acceptance as a whole human being, and not looking at your body as just your weight. Um, And and the way you look in a pair of yoga pants, but also how strong you are and how clear your skin is or how healthy you are from the inside out um, because you're doing the things to create this like healthy container, um, not just the way you look on on a photo or what have you. It's been a a journey for me um, because I recently started um, weight training. And all of a sudden, as I started doing more on the weight training side, my clothes started to fit differently and my size went up on the scale. But it's it's the strongest I've ever been. Right. So it's like you're kind of I had this moment where I'm like, I just this needs to be a place of acceptance. I need to accept that as my body changes, changes and adjusts, even when I'm doing I'm creating these healthy activities and I'm my physicality, I'm very strong, um, that it's okay. This is the body that I was I was made with and I'm actually a very healthy human being. I'm curious from like the intuitive eating perspective, because I think that that's a hard place to get to because I know that over time and in talking to other um, providers and other dietitians, you know, they, they talk about the fact that like we've lost the ability to tell when we're full or we've lost the ability to tell when we're hungry, or we crave a certain thing. And I think that gets very confusing. Like, if I'm, like, if I'm craving carbs, is that because I'm craving because my body needs it? Or is it an emotional response? So I was hoping that you could kind of share, like, what are some of the, the key indicators to help us understand some of our body's signals to move more to an intuitive way of, of eating? That's a great question.
1: And I think maybe we even start with why is it so hard to be able to tell? And for those of us who do have kids or we have someone close to us who is a child, it's, it's really interesting to watch them eat because they may, if they're young enough, they may still have, you know, cause we're all born intuitive eaters. So they might be the best example for us for intuitive eating. Cause they'll eat half of a hot dog and they're like, okay, I'm good. And I, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you like, a hot dog. <laughs> um, so it's it, being on diet after diet after diet and following these diets rules and even if we don't think we're on a diet if we think that we're only supposed to eat you know with a certain amount of something of like carbs or only at a certain time we have all these rules so that means we end up kind of cutting off our body we're so in our heads that we're in we're not in our bodies to be able to tell Even what is subtle hunger anymore? So, with Mm -hmm. intuitive eating, there's a scale that we can use where, you know, one is I am famished, and 10 is I am like Thanksgiving Day stuffed, and five is neutral. And it's so hard when you've been dieting for so long to be able to tell what's in between that. A lot of people can tell when they're just starving and they can't even think anymore, they're hangry and they're snapping at people. And then when they're just, just so full. But if we can start to tune back into our body and notice really subtle cues for hunger, we're trying to consider eating at like a three or four and trying to kind of stop at a seven or an eight without judging it because we're never going to get it right every single time. That can be really tough. It's really trying to tell like, where am I at? Um, And sometimes we can start somewhere else. So maybe we start with before the meal, how hungry am I on that scale? And then halfway through that meal, where am I at now? And then Mm -hmm. after, like at the end, where am I at now? And it's really just getting into a practice of just noticing and really trying not to judge that.
0: Well, I love that because I haven't had, I mean, that's a tool, right? To use to start hearing your body again. And I think that that's what's valuable because I think the one thing is, we'll listen to your body. Well, I don't know what my body's telling me anymore. <laughs> it's like I've got, I'm like one end of the spectrum or the other. So to have a place where you're like, okay, like let's scale this out and over time starting to create a conversation with your body as opposed to with your mind as like, oh, I had this, so I should have this, or I need to eat this much, or I counted out eight almonds, right? Like instead of doing that, being like, okay, so let me, tune in and there are days where I wake up and I'm like I need something green like I can my body tells me like I need to have a green juice and I notice by especially the way my body feels when I'm drinking it if I'm drinking a juice and I haven't had um, like a healthy kind of meal or a vegetable or fruit for a minute and I have it and it tastes so good and I drink it quickly, I'm like, oh, I needed that, right? So like, it's it's kind of like learning what things, um, and I, I've noticed on the days where I feel like I need a cookie <laughs> or I need something sugary, um, and then I regret it afterwards because maybe I've indulged a little bit too much. But it's been this really interesting balance, and, and I appreciate that kind of like a, a scale to help you kind of understand. Are there any rules of engagement when it comes to, like, cravings, like what they mean for you, or... Is it when they're so far gone, that's when you're going to crave the heavier bigger stuff or when you're having an emotional moment, that's when you're going to crave the comfort foods. Like, is there a way to kind of look at a scale or a way of tuning into yourself when it comes to the types of food that you like?
1: Oh gosh, that it's so tough to answer that because it kind of depends on where you're at on this journey. I think um, another element that can be helpful is trying to get into a practice of eating Uh, more frequently because going back to that scale, when we wait to eat until we're about a one or a two, that's when we're getting into that primal hunger where it doesn't matter what, I mean, I would, I will eat my arm right now, you know, like I'm just starving. So we're Mm -hmm. more likely to, it's like a pendulum. If we're at a one or two, we're more likely to, um, you know, end up at a nine or a 10. And it's really just coming into an understanding like, oh, it makes sense that I, I ate a meal and I still, I was still hungry. So I ate even more and then even more. And so just having that understanding that, okay, well, that's just information for me that maybe I, maybe breakfast wasn't big enough. So how can I change breakfast tomorrow so that, um, that I'm satiated enough? And I say that because we will be more likely to crave because our bodies are so smart. It's like, oh, no, we need really dense foods right now. And there's nothing wrong with that we're trying to get to a place of like habituation where, um, it's going to help get to that place where all food is just food. And it's not like there's good food and bad foods that like a cookie can just be a cookie. Um, and so, um, I'm trying to think, so when a food is still kind of like a bad food, we're going to crave that more we're going to want that more because we're humans and we want what we can't have so if we can like eat more consistently and add more variety to our food um, we're really trying to get to a place of not judging it
0: today gold is brought to you by live media and the live app now available on the apple app store we believe that healthy you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow to that end, we have created accountability features on a platform of curated coaches and thought leaders in a wide variety of areas, all to bring each person to their best self as a whole and healthy individual. We do this through time-proven tools that offer personal accountability, measurable growth, a support system, and community. At all times, Live guests have access to an accountability coach or to our network of coaches through email submission. Whether you simply want a goal set with a little support or have a coach provide you a monthly plan, We've got you. The team at Live has worked so hard to provide you something special, and since we love giving gifts and self-development is our thing, what better time to offer a gift to build out your 2020 vision than now? For a limited time, all guests who download the app will receive full VIP access for 30 days. That means goal setting, talks, challenges, and a one-on-one conversation with a Live Method coach to start your new year off right. Search Live Media Inc. in the Apple App Store or link to us through our Instagram account at loveisviral.media or mine at Schneider. This offer won't last. so Sign up now and Happy New Year and New Decade. From the Live Fam to you. Well, it's funny. I, there's a post that you have on your Instagram. This is a common fear with intuitive eating. What if all I do is eat junk? And then you said short answer is you probably won't, and sometimes you will. <laughs> so it's it's giving yourself the space to eat um, well. And I do notice that your body kind of tells you, like, I need something healthy today, right? I need something sweet. I need something that's more whatever. Um, but it's it's listening to that voice and finding it. And I appreciate the non-judgment because I think that that's where we run into the big issues. I don't know how many times I've indulged because I feel like in air quotes, I deserve it. And then I have the thing and then I feel terrible afterwards and I actually feel really guilty. And I think that that's the diet culture, right? We're so used to our food and our consumption being something that is either good or bad. It doesn't seem that there's like a, a, an even playing field when it comes to consumption of, of food um, that I think it creates this this guilt and these emotions that are, that are really inappropriate. And you talked about the fact that like when you were going into the whole um, disordered eating, you had some like mind blowing realizations. What were things that you learned about disordered eating as you knew them and as they came to be after you started um, researching? What was surprising to you?
1: Well, I think, I mean, number one, I didn't realize that almost everything I did was quite disordered and I'd never seen a list of what is disordered behaviors. And so just seeing, um, even just like a list of them has been like, I didn't, you know, our culture, diet culture wants us to believe that, you know, weighing your food and tracking it in an app and trying to lose weight and maybe skipping meals or intermittent fasting or like, um, chewing gum instead of eating, or oh, if I'm hungry, maybe I should just drink water. You know, we're trying to like trick our bodies to think that it's full is actually really disordered, but it's confusing because our culture makes us think that this is what's healthy, or like to stay on a diet, to bring my own food to a social event, or even cancel the event and not go to it just so I could stick to my diet. I've never thought of that as being disordered. And now that I see it, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I <laughs> like, it's so clear to me now? But at the time, I just, I thought I was being healthy. And so that's, that was one of those like, huge realizations. Like I can't believe as a therapist, that, that's where my guilt's coming from. A therapist who works with eating disorders. How did I not see this? It's like, I'm like laughing at myself, just thinking about it right now.
0: It's funny. I never thought about that. Cause like I have to, I had to in my, my past career go to a lot of events and it's, you know, it's the chicken, uh, plated chicken and whatever, but then there's alcohol and there's desserts and all this stuff. And I remember feeling kind of bad because I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this stuff, but I'm so hungry and there are no other options. And um, I never thought about canceling, but I, I would always leave feeling like that was the day that the diet was busted, right? Because I ate just what was available to me and felt guilt. And I think that's, that's the big thing. It's like getting the emotional attachment to food under control and understanding that we are not just our bodies in their, their, in just their physical sense, um, or uh, by way of appearance. But we're so much more than that. We're so much more. It was funny. I, I, my boyfriend recently, we were getting ready to go somewhere and I said something about what I was wearing and he's like, He said something about a crop top. And I'm like, I won't be wearing those um, anymore. I'm like, I have this, like, five to eight pounds of, like, you know, delicious food around my midsection. And he's like, those were great experiences and wonderful dinners and great dates. Like, we all have that. So let's not be upset that you don't want to wear a crop top because we had some really great experiences together. And I was like... That's a really good point, you know, like rather than b- being in this place of um, of scarcity and comparison and like I can't believe I ate all of those foods. Well, we were enjoying time with friends and family or we were together and we indulged together and we had a great evening. And I love that kind of it very quickly put me in place because it made me realize how he views me. He doesn't view me as a woman who can't wear a crop top he's like, this is my partner and we have really great experiences together. And every now and then we love to eat pizza together. Um, So I think that was like kind of a mindset shift for me.
1: That's such a great reframe too. And And it's not necessary to have a partner along this journey with you who has what sounds like a pretty good relationship with food, but it's helpful. It's really helpful to have someone, a friend or a partner, anybody to remind you that it's really not about pounds or macros or calories or any of this it's that's real life that's living a full meaningful life is being able to have like the cheeseburgers with your friends or going out late at night and having a slice of pizza like that is so much more important and when you look back on your life and you wish you had done more of something like those are the things we need to be doing more of i don't think anyone's going to regret or like wish that they had spent more time on the treadmill or oh i just wish that i had counted more calories
0: Right. <laughs> At the end of your life, I don't think anyone has been like, oh, you know, I really wish I would have not eaten that cheesecake or whatever it may be. Um no, it's really interesting, and I think it's, it's so important that these are the conversations that we have and that we catch ourselves, right? There was this experience that I had with – I was kind of body shaming in a lot of ways um, myself through my social media feeds, and I was like, oh, if I follow all these fit moms, that will be inspiration. And so I would follow them, and then I caught myself constantly saying, like, I wish I looked like that or – Like, why can't I? And then I'm like, wait, this is unhealthy behavior. So the moment that someone came on my feed that I felt myself saying, I wish I looked like that, I immediately unfollowed them because I realized, like, I was feeding myself with comparison and instead started following people that were, like, insightful or inspirational or created some kind of, like... Um, mentorship or longing to do something that was really aspirational as opposed to looking a certain way. And I did that about a year ago. And I was recently scrolling through my social fe- media feed. This really beautiful woman popped up and she was absolutely gorgeous, totally fit um, in a bikini. And I, I remember the very first thought I had was, wow, good for you. You look beautiful. And there was no comparison. And I was like, I've done it. Like I've gotten to a place where I can look at, an, at something on my feed or someone and be happy for them as opposed to feel like I need to compare myself to them. So I think that self-awareness is is key. And when you're having conversations with your clients, like what are some of the tools and and tips that you're giving them to help them create more of a self-awareness practice?
1: I, that was such a good example of being able to cause I think social media is such a big part of our lives that we do have to kind of sit down and be like, all right, how can I create a space for myself that would be healing and helpful in my recovery? And so one thing I noticed with intuitive eating is we, it starts to translate into intuitive living. And so Mm. you're starting to notice, and I use that word all the time. What do you notice and what do you notice in your body? And so as you're scrolling, this is one of the examples and you, Explained it so well. As you're scrolling, just notice how do you feel when you know that post comes up or that account comes up. Are you feeling bad about yourself? Like that's such a good sign that either we need to take a step away from social media right now, or probably unfollowing and starting to like build a more diverse account. Back in the day when I had a Fitbo account, um, all I followed were these girls um whose whole life seemed to revolve around exercising and eating a certain way and they were all younger than me and I was comparing myself to them and I'm like this makes no I mean later on I found out I was like this doesn't really make any sense this isn't helping me live a life that I want to live so just really paying attention to the kind of media that we're consuming and making sure that it's it's diverse but also you know, creating a bigger life, something that's outside of just our bodies, um, following even like dog accounts, like follow other things than just food and body. And, um, I don't, whatever you seem to be following a lot of, if it seems that way.
0: I love that. I have a tendency to like, I indulge in uh, dance videos. <laughs> that's my, whatever I want to like get out of my own head. That's what I follow is I watch dance videos or um yogis who can do really amazing headstands because all i've ever wanted to do in life is a headstand and it's more just something that lights me up and that's one of the things like I've, i've spoken a couple of times at conferences where there's there's girls um there are teenage girls about social influence and the impact that it has on your life and a lot of it is follow the people that light you up if you want to be an amazing athlete, follow an amazing female athlete. If you want to be an attorney, follow a killer attorney. Follow things that make you laugh, things that make you smile. Like Be aware of your mental health within your social media feed. I think it's so important that you're really paying attention to who is influencing you because I think what people don't realize is whoever you're following is surreptitiously mentoring you like you don't realize that but they're literally creating the world in which you live and the mindset in which you you allow yourself to to work from and if you can be that aware of how you're feeding your mind through your social media feeds, through advertising, through the magazines. I, there are several magazines like fitness magazines I will no longer order or um, download because of the fact that I would feel comparison or I would feel like I wasn't doing enough or I would start feeling guilty about the food that I was eating. They were not encouraging me. They were actually creating this pain within me. So I was very aware of everything that I um, was doing. Was, was feeding on I mean anything that was feeding my mind or my soul um, I immediately was like okay these are not healthy and I've had to do that with my daughter as well on making sure that she's very aware of like if we're watching a show like let's talk about the characters on that show is that a good friend and she's talking about how this friend looks a certain way what is that about is that kind Um, and creating awareness as well so that she's not just randomly feeding on content but instead aware of the dynamics at play I think it's just so important that we're just kind of curating our own life experience and aware of that little voice inside of us that tells us that we're not enough or that we should compare ourselves or that we should feel guilty and poke at it and say, why? Why do I feel this way? Why am I asking myself this question? Why am I feeling this guilt as opposed to just allowing it to frame our worldview? Um, That's I'll get off my my soapbox now.
1: Well, I think let's also highlight just how natural it is to have those thoughts that our minds or our brains have evolved to think that way. It's supposed to protect us. It's supposed to help us stay alive and for, you know, um, not to get kicked out of the tribe. And so um, it's normal to have these thoughts. And how can we not take them so seriously that they're not orders, that they're just words, they're just stories. We don't have to take them all seriously. Like, think of how do you handle, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like just a totally made up movie, like Harry Potter. That's not real. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> how can we not take these stories seriously? And we're all going to compare ourselves to other people. It's going to happen. But, you know, if if this isn't going to help me build a life I want to have and become the person I want to be, then it's not really helpful. So we think of another thing that would be helpful. And I wanted to add what you're doing is amazing and it's incredible. And a lot of us didn't have that growing up. And let's even think of, you know, we didn't have social media growing up. So, all of us right now, we're like these pioneers really trying to figure out how do we navigate social media in comparison and, and the intense pressure to look a certain way in our culture because we just, we don't know what we don't know. And I feel like right now, so many of us are really trying to navigate this because we've just spent decades of our life trying to shrink our bodies. And now we're trying to work on accepting them while also teaching our children and the next generation to also accept their bodies. It's totally foreign to us.
0: It's very true. It's so true. And it's so interesting that like this generation that's coming up has never known a time before technology. So we're trying to figure out how to um, soften the blow and create a place where um, they can live and thrive within it. And I'm just fascinated by the way their minds work, completely different. Um, It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, um, one of the questions I ask pretty much everyone is, um, if you were to look back at a younger version of yourself, Um, how old would she be and what advice would you give her? Ooh,
1: I'm thinking back to like second, third grade Molly, where I think that's right about the time when I started to think that there was something wrong with my body. Mm. And I wish, I mean, part of the reason why I even have my Instagram account is I'm basically speaking to my younger self, telling her all the things that I wish she Knew. So I wish she knew she never had to change her body and she never had to go on a diet and that she doesn't have to focus so much on food and weight. I just that I can be okay with who I am and that I'm so much that I'm enough and I'm so much more than just a body.
0: I love that. And I'm uh, fearful of what you just said as well. Like when you said second or third grade was when you were first starting to become aware that maybe there was something wrong. I remember being 10 and looking down at my thighs and being like, my thighs are fat. And that just blows my mind that at such a young age, we're, we're already so aware of our body, but in not necessarily its power and and what it creates, but we're starting to become aware of its flaws. So that was like a very powerful thing to be aware of that we need to take with us as as parents or influencers of the next generation is how young children start to become aware of that. And I love what you said about your Instagram being like to your younger self. I mean, I feel like that's what so many of us are doing is we're healing old belief systems and old stories in Not only the things that we're doing every day, but in our passion projects as well, is creating some type of change for people who might be experiencing the things that we did.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Super powerful. If you were to be heading, transitioning from this life, and you wanted to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration, what would they be?
1: It would be that if you want to change this relationship that you have with your body and you want more, you want to build a life outside of this, is to check out intuitive eating and health at every size. And one of my favorite concepts for body image is body liberation, is to really liberate yourself from these expectations that society puts on us and our own expectations that we put on ourselves because that's limiting us. It's really taking us away from our sole purpose. And a lot of us really might not know what our purpose is, but I don't think our purpose is to just focus on our body and trying to weigh less. So I think um, there's this quote that Jess Baker says, and it's that the less I try to force myself to love my body, the less I hate it. And so we don't have to force ourselves to love it. We just have to try to make peace with it and just build this life outside of it, what else would you do if you weren't focusing on on weight or health? Or I don't mean
0: I mean that as like trying to lose weight. Right. No, I appreciate that. And I think it's so valuable for us to to see our bodies as these beautiful tools and containers, right? That's your temple. It's not something to be to disassociate yourself from or see as your identity, but something that's carrying your heart, soul and and mind in this really beautiful um, compact container, you know, and it's, 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 it's appreciating it and understanding it from a different perspective. Um, if, if people want to find you and your journey and your conversations with your younger self, where can they go?
1: They can find me at Instagram. I'm Molly B counseling. And then I have a website called Molly bar counseling, B A H R.
0: I love it. I want to thank you so much for being on um, gold today and sharing your gold with us. Um, thank you. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining today. I love Molly's encouragement to liberate your body, realizing that it is not your identity and that you have so much more to offer the world. As she said, your life purpose is not to lose weight. You can find her on Instagram where she promotes body acceptance, body liberation, information to improve mental health and your relationship with food and body at Molly B Counseling. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at either ms. Jeanette Schneider or the live movement at loveisviral.media or live at loveisviral.com. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Order my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.